Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. Right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. A lot to talk about today. I'm going to be talking about the... Oscars potentially being delayed this year. What is that really about? I'm also going to be talking about some details regarding Mandalorian Season 2, some clips regarding Artemis Fowl, how does it actually look, did it deserve to be moved to Disney+, and a new trailer for 13 Reasons Why. But before I get into any of that, literally moments before I came on recording this podcast, at the time of this recording, breaking news just came out that Zack Snyder has announced the release of of the Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut is happening. It is real. And after the pent-up demand, pent-up energy to see the vision of what Zack Snyder wanted to bring to the Justice League after all the tumultuous speculation and drama that went on behind the scenes because of tragedy in Zack Snyder's personal life and beyond with Josh Whedon coming in, People were clamoring to see what his full version was going to be about. Stars were coming out. Jason Momoa, Ben Affleck came out during his press tour of the way back to finally say, release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. This has been something that has been in the works since 2017 with the hashtag always popping up every once in a while. This hashtag will be trending and it seems like it is finally happening after doing a watch along of the 2013 film Man of Steel. Zack Snyder announced it on his live stream that the Zack Snyder cut, the Snyder cut, will be happening. And I'll have more information about it tomorrow on the Sam Cell Podcast. This just broke as I was coming on at the time of this recording. So tomorrow on Thursday, I'll have more information and give you my full detailed thoughts about it. But just really quick thoughts. This just goes to show that if a fan base just keeps on pushing and pushing and pushing, if they're really passionate about something, the studios are going to hear about it. And it seems like this actually worked. This is actually happening. It's coming to HBO Max in 2021. I'll have more information, more details regarding the Snyder Cut tomorrow. But again, quick reaction, breaking news at the time of this recording. The Snyder Cut will be coming to HBO Max. Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League that he directed in 2017 will be fully realized in 2021 on HBO Max. I'll have a, a poll after this recording. What do you guys think about the news of Zack Snyder's cut of the Justice League? Are you happy to finally see it be realized? Are you not happy? Do you think this is a smart idea? Do you think it's just not a smart idea? Let me know what you think down below. And let me know what you think in the Twitter poll that I put out, yes or no, about the Snyder Cut. Now, moving on to some award season news that came out, excuse me, last week, or not even last week, but yesterday, about the Oscars, the breaking news according to Variety, that the Academy Awards might potentially postpone this year's Oscars telecast. Sources are saying that there are definitive plans are there aren't definitive plans as far as being concrete at this specific moment in time there's nothing regarding this is just speculations and just thoughts that are being percolated throughout the academy right now as they try to figure out what to do in regards to the coronavirus and what to actually do and to see where it goes from here in terms of affecting the rest of award season with festivals and whatnot there's talks of potential new dates, then it hasn't been fully discussed yet of about a postponed date yet, and that right now sources are saying close to variety that the date is currently unchanged at ABC. And this is interesting because in April, the Academy president, David Rubin, came out to Variety 
and talked about the Oscar telecast for next year, saying that it was impossible to know when it would actually, what the, 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 the heat would be around that time, what the feeling of it is. And it seems like even though he said that, there's definitely some talks about it. And when you, this makes sense when you really look at it long term in terms of you want to look at all possibilities. You don't want to just want to focus on one specific thing. You want to have a backup plan for the backup plan, a backup plan to that backup plan in case things are changing day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And this is another example is, again, there's nothing concrete and official yet about this, but it's something that they are considering, and it would make sense for that. And the questions start to come around to is this going to change all, all of award season? Is this going to change the festivals? Is this going to change the deadline for being eligible for this year's Academy Awards, which isn't until the end of the year? Will that mean certain films in 2021 will qualify for this year? And also you have to bear in mind that they said it's postponed. They did not say it was canceled or they're not speculating or they're not considering it to be canceled by any stretch of the imagination. And you, it's very interesting, I think, that when you look at this, it, it just makes sense. And, and you hear that the PGA and the DGA are also making changes from what the Academy did last month in having films that are eligible on from that were supposed to be theatrical releases from the end of March when theaters shut down. If they're going to VOD, video on demand, or subscription on uh, video on demand, or if they're going on streaming services, they'll be allowed to be eligible for uh, an award season or to be up for the top prizes at the DGA and for the PGA, which is the Daryl V. Zunak Award. And it, it just makes a lot of sense that every single guild is following but then it comes into question, if the Academy does postpone, does that mean that the DGA, PGA, SGA, will they postpone? Because again, the Academy, according to these sources from Variety, which is this is, a, this is an exclusive from them, the Oscars are not postponing or not, are not canceling the Oscars, at least for this year. They're looking to postpone. So that can mean it's off for a few months and we still have a few films from the early part of 2021 that can apply for that Oscars. And maybe they just say, you know what, films from 2020 and 2021 can apply for the next Oscars, which would be a lot of films for the Academy Watch, which it's a lot for them to watch just one year of cinema, to watch almost two years of it is is a lot to ask of them. And so I think when you look at this, I wouldn't be, sh I would be sad if it happened because I, I definitely think having some form of the Academy Awards would be really cool to see. And, and you look at a lot of, a lot of awards, not even awards that are happening now, but a lot of programs that are just trying to fit in doing streaming or doing online through Zoom and trying to make it the best of that at home. You can make a simpler Academy Awards in which films that go on VOD or go on subscription services that were supposed to have a theatrical release, they can view, people can view them at home, and then you can have some form of the Academy Awards from then on out. But Again, I don't think this is going to be a, a definitive date anytime soon. I think there is going to be more talks about it, which, again, is not surprising. You want to have plans for the backup plans, and then those plans have backup plans. And you're just trying to make sure you have plans A through Z in case, again, something happens in the next day or two that says, you know what, we're going to have to move to this plan. Or in the next two months where you say, you know what, we're going to have to start looking at this plan more than we did plan B. We're going to have to look at plan E now. So it's just, I think, thoughts that are in the wind right now. And once there's more of a definitive look at it, we'll hear something 
in the next few months. Moving on now to some interesting news that's coming out uh, from Hollywood. The first one is a live action film that is going to be directed and written by Josh Cooley, who is set to make going to be his live action debut with the Malamander. And the Malamander is an adaptation of the best selling children's book by Thomas Taylor. And it's set in the eerie on sea seaside town filled with oddball characters and mystery and, and mysteries, excuse me, as murky as its winter fog. A young boy named Herbert Lemon, who acts as a hotel's lost and found director, teams up with Violet Parma, a young girl who is looking for parents she lost as a baby, setting off an adventure that involves a half-man, half-monster who is set to make dreams come true and a hook-handed man pursuing them. And I think for Josh Cooley, this is, I think, really, really cool for him to kind of be venturing out into his own. He's leaving Pixar, which he's been at for 17 years, being a writer for films like The Incredibles and Inside Out, which he got an Oscar nomination for. And he finally got his directorial debut with Toy Story 4, and he won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature a few months ago for that film. It was a great film. It was one of my honorable mentions to come out in 2019. I loved that film. And it did a great job in honoring the Toy Story 4 legacy, or not just really the Toy Story legacy in general. And... For, for Cooley to be kind of venturing off into his own, I commend him for that because I'm sure he feels like he's been with Pixar for so long. He's learned a lot from a great storytelling company that does a great job in not just animation and revolutionizing that front, but focusing on the story and the characters. And that's what you want from a storyteller. And that's what you want from a director to be able to do that and help the audiences see that across the screen. And to do that with a fun kids movie which he's accustomed to doing with Pixar and doing an adventure film it makes a lot of sense so I think to see him kind of go in live action will be really cool I think he's it definitely will give him another sense of direction because he's used to doing animation direction so be able to see how he's able to kind of shift from doing animation to live action I think will be really cool and he's also going to be working on the first ever theatrical animated movie for Transformers from Paramount so for him to be kind of moving from the Pixar world to the Transformers world I think is really really cool and interesting as well so he'll keep getting his feet wet with animation and I think the, the first film he's doing is the Transformers film and then he's working on Malamander so again to go from animation to live action will be different for him as Dave Filoni is experiencing right now with Star Wars going from Clone Wars from Rebels and directing something like The Mandalorian and you could see the pains that he kind of went through Dave Filoni with the first with the first episode and the fifth episode that he directed but I'm sure with him directing this season he's only directing one episode but we'll see some improvement in his direction going forward and the same thing with Josh Cooley so I'm excited to see what he does next I commend him for going outside Pixar and Venturing out into his own, seeming like he's learned what he's needed to learn. He won an Oscar on his first directing debut. He's a nominated Oscar as well for Inside Out. So he's got a lot in his pocket from a great company like Pixar to go on his own and see what he can do. So all, all the I tip my hat to him, and, and I hope him the best in what he's going to be doing in the future. And I'm excited for the projects he's working on. Moving on to speaking of another casting announcement and somebody that is doing something new or, or going back into doing some film work, and that is Holly Berry joining Josh Gad and Roland Emmerich's brand new film, and she's going to be playing an astronaut turned NASA and minister, 
whose previous mission was who holds a clue to the problem that is set during this film. And it's a, it's going to be a disaster-led film from Roland Emmerich, who is well known to be doing those from Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow, and of course 2012. And the plot for this film, which is titled Moonfall, sees it go into action when the moon is knocked from its orbit by a mysterious force and is on a collision course with Earth. Life as we know it hangs in the balance, and with just weeks to go before impact, a ragtag team is sent on a seemingly impossible mission to land on the lunar surface and save humanity. So I think that is really interesting, and it sounds like Deep Impact, Armageddon, a a disaster film that is right up Roland Emmerich's alleyway. And I love those, those... just sit back and eat popcorn and fun. It sounds like a summer kind of film where it's it's you just the world is ending and you just want to see people save it from termination. It seems like Josh Gad and Holly Berry are going to be the two co-stars that do that. And Josh Gad is set to be playing an eccentric genius who sees that the moon has fallen out of orbit. Lionsgate is eyeing a 2021 release date. And Roland Emmerich, like he did with his last film, Last year with Midway, he is going to be solely independently producing it, writing it, financing it, but just Lionsgate is going to help him distribute the film and help with the rights of making sure that it can navigate its way through. So for Roland Emmerich, I'm, I'm interested in seeing this. He's he's let me down one once or twice, but when we talk about disaster-led movies, he has a niche there where he knows what to do, and so I'm interested to see what he does with Holly Berry and Josh Gad, and anytime you can see Holly Berry on screen again, she's kind of limited her roles as of lately. It was great to see her in John Wick Chapter 3 last year, so to see her team up with Josh Gad and kind of see the banter that they do together and to see Holly Berry just have fun with this, and same thing with Josh Gad, who's on a roll recently as well. It's going to be really exciting to see, so this sounds like nothing but good things so far, nothing negative that I have to say so far with this new Roland Emmerich film. What do you guys think about the details for this new Roland Emmerich film with Holly Berry coming back and Josh Cooley's live-action debut? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to a story in the galaxy far, far away in which more details are coming back out for Timothy Olymphit's character who was reported by The Hollywood Reporter last week, Friday specifically, that he would be in the second season of The Mandalorian in an undisclosed role that could be a returning character, somebody we've seen not just in Mandalorian, but also in the greater Star Wars universe, or he could be playing a new character that we're going to be introduced to. And according to SlashFilm.com, who, again, over this pandemic and over the last few months, has done a really good job in breaking a lot of these Star Wars news stories that have been coming out from... Rosio Dawson going to be playing a live action Ahsoka Tanu to talking more about Tamara Morrison and who he's going to be playing with Boba Fett and giving more details about that or rumors about Captain Rex coming in as well. So they've been they've been really on their toes about this and Lucasfilm hasn't confirmed it all, but uh, I got to give my props to not one of the bigger trades in the business like Hollywood Reporter and Deadline, but for Slash Film to be getting these, I tip my hat to them as well and and being a small engine that couldn't getting these big exclusives, and one exclusive that they have now as well is, again, Timothy Olyphant's character, and it seems like they're hearing from sources inside that he could be playing not somebody that people are familiar with, but somebody, if you're somebody who goes into the deep lore of Star Wars canon, especially the books, will be playing somebody from that universe, specifically a person named Cobb Vanth, and from the description about Cobb Vanth, 
he is, according to the book Aftermath, in which he is a character in that novel, he is a self-appointed sheriff of the Tatooine-based settlement Freetown, and he wears a mysterious set of Mandalorian armor that was acquired from the Jawas who scavenged the wreckage of Jabba the Hutt's sail barge shortly after the events of Return of the Jedi. Cobb has committed his life in the service of protecting Freetown and keeping criminal elements, excuse me, like the Red Key Raiders away from Tatooine, and he even struck a deal with the Tusken Raiders to help protect the town. And when you hear that first little part of how he took away this Mandalorian arbor from the Jawas and the wreckage of Jabba the Hutt's sail barge, that if you know the movies, that immediately goes to, is that Boba Fett's armor? And that's exactly the article that Slash Films talks about in which he, Timothy Olympia could be playing somebody that not a lot of people know about, but when they see the image, they'll know he's in an armor that a lot of people know. So the question becomes, well, Tamar Morrison is playing Boba Fett, but Timothy Olympian, he has the armor. What's that about? It could be that he struck a deal with them, like it says in the description, that he now is wearing that armor to help this town, and that Tamar Morrison, may he may be Boba Fett, but he might have some new armor that's on potentially. So I definitely think... If Farrell's going to be doing that specifically, again, this isn't confirmed by Lucasfilm, but if he's going to be doing something like that, he definitely is going to have to explain for people that might not know what's going on specifically if they're not really seeped into the lore of Star Wars. But I think for the description of what this character could be and how he plays into the Mandalorian, if Mando does come back to Tatooine as he came to that planet in the first season of the Mandalorian, then it fits exactly the kind of role that... Olympian has done throughout his career from Justified to Deadwood. He's played that kind of lone ranger protecting the town and doing the right thing, that gunslinger. So I think that would be really cool to see him take on that kind of approach and do something like that. So I think, again, that is really, really cool. I think, again, John Favreau would have to explain it a, really, a little bit more if that is the case. But again, this isn't confirmed by them, nor I would think it will be confirmed by them who he's specifically playing. Who knows? If Star Wars Celebration comes around in August, if it still goes on, then maybe we could find out that he's playing a completely different character. None of this is true whatsoever. But given the given these exclusives that we know, then I think you have to take it with some kind of grain and salt. But at the same time, see, it could be something, but at the same time, take it with a grain of salt. But again... We don't know, but I got to give, again, props. And the only reason I'm doing it is because Slash Film has been doing a good job with their exclusive coverages. Sometimes I'll see rumors of Mandalorian coverage, and I'll be, I'll stay away from it because I don't know if it's true or not. But it sounds like from what Slash Film has been doing over the last few weeks and months, they seem to be gaining a lot of credibility when it comes to getting exclusives about the Mandalorian. So unless I see that it is really coming from other trades, then I will stay away from it. If it's backed up by multiple, which it seems like this is a little bit, then I will run with it. And I think this is going to something that is, again, take it with a grain of salt, but it might have some truth to it down the line. What do you guys think about this potential of Timothy Olympid playing the Boba Fett character? Let me know what you think about it in the post down below and leave it in the comment section and let me know what your thoughts are down below. Now, I want to move on to some clips that were released for the brand new now Disney Plus film, Artemis Fowl. And today and yesterday, Disney Plus released clips 
Uh, and today's streaming day, by the way, and Disney's doing a whole big thing, and one of the things was releasing clips about Artemis Fowl, and they released a clip yesterday about a minute long from a scene of the film, and I watched that out of curiosity to see, okay, what is what is this film? Because the trailers haven't done a great job with convincing me, even when it was supposed to be shown, literally next week was supposed to be when Artemis Fowl was supposed to be making its way into theaters, and it would have had been revving up its marketing campaign at a peak point right now. But right now, we're getting in, into the middle of that marketing campaign that Disney Plus is now doing. And so I think for what what Disney Plus wants to do, let's, let's see what they can do with this film. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, starring Frida Shaw, Laura McDonald, Josh Gad, Colin Farrell, Judy Dench. It's a really good cast of some legendary actors and so I'm like, okay, let me see what this is. And watching those clips, it didn't really impress me with what I was getting from this movie specifically. I was I was not impressed by it. I, I felt like it was flat. I, I just felt like the lead of Artemis Fowl just wasn't really doing a lot. And, and I don't know if that's – Kenneth Branagh's a great director, so I don't know if he wasn't giving him enough or – just from this clip, I don't know. For the, it might just be those scenes that they're showing are not great, sh- are not great scenes overall to really be giving us to really consume and get excited about this movie. But it, it just didn't look all that appealing to me, and I can really understand why Disney Plus or Disney decided to put this on their streaming service. They put it on Disney Plus because, like a lot of studios are doing with putting or, or shelving out films to streaming companies where they're going to have to sacrifice some films because of a backlog in 2020, 2021 and beyond. What are we going to be doing with it with some of these movies? And you're going to have to sacrifice a few pawns to order to save the kings and the queens, all due respect to some of these movies. And I think with Disney Plus, what they're doing with Artemis Fowl, it's the right move because I think they saw the writings on the wall for this film. They pushed it back from last year to this year for a theatrical release. And they said, you know what? We're not going to probably do as much as we're doing on, say, Black Widow or Mulan or one of their other films like A West Side Story. Let's just put it on Disney Plus, lick our wounds, and see what we get out of it. And so I think it's the right move on their part. I think it'll it'll... It'll play a lot better on Disney Plus than it will on paying a lot of money than you would for a for a movie ticket, for multiple movie tickets for kids to go see this movie because I don't think it's going to play well. Again, I could be completely wrong about this, and it might not be the case, and it could be a really good movie that just had a chance, but they had to pick their, pick their battles, and this just wasn't one of them. But I think a lot of families will be able to say, okay, we can – you know, we're we're still paying six ninety nine seven bucks a month for Disney Plus, or on the, if you're a Verizon customer, it's still for free at this moment in time until November when it's a year up. That you won't really be losing anything if you're like, you know what, this is okay to put it to watch for a, a night at home, and you're not going out and and paying a whole lot more money between tickets and concession snacks and going to watch this movie. That might not really work. So. I think for the betterment, this will be a better move for Disney, Disney Plus, and this movie. Given just for some of the marketing material that we've gone so far, it just has not been oppressive overall. And, and so I think they know what they have, and they're just going to lick their wounds and do the best that they can with this movie. Which is sad, but you know sometimes that is the name of the business with Hollywood. And, and, and sometimes if you're not profitable enough, then it's not just going to work in a way. So this is what's going to happen, and... If Artemis Fowl is a great film, then I'll eat my words on it and say I was wrong about it. But until until I see the movie, 
that those are what I think is going to happen and what I see coming from Artem's foul. What did you guys think of these clips? If you have seen the clips for Artem's foul, let me know what you think in the comments of this post about the Artem's foul clips. And the last thing that I want to talk about today is a, a trailer that came out for a show that I have been very much enjoyed throughout the years, and that is the trailer for the final season of 13 Reasons Why. And this is the full trailer for a show that is coming out on June 5th. This is the fourth and final season of 13 Reasons Why. And from the trailer, it seems like everything's coming to a head from what we've gotten in the last season or so of all these secrets that Clay, Justin, Jessica, Tony, and the crew have really kind of been harboring over the last two seasons or so. And it's really coming to a head. And I really enjoyed the trailer. I mean, listen... All the, the 13 reasons why trailers that Netflix have come out with have been really good. And talking about Artemis Fowl and their clips of not getting me excited about that movie and from the trailers and for the clips that they came out with, they haven't really done it for me. 13 reasons why they have done it from every single trailer that have come out. Even with the third season, I was not a huge fan of that third season, but the trailers got me intrigued of watching it again. And I'm hoping that this final season can be better than that third season because I think the third season it had a cool murder mystery angle to it but it was too many episodes and I'm happy that this season is just 10 episodes because I figured they saw we maybe stretched out the plot line a little too much with 13 reasons and even the director said just because it's called 13 reasons why does not mean we have to have 13 episodes in a show or in a season so I think it makes a lot of sense for them to shorten it up that was a problem with the last season and I hope they don't go to flashbacks anymore. I know that was a thing with it made sense for the Hannah story and for seasons one and two. But to do it for the last season and the aspect ratio and the color palettes they chose, it, it just it was fine at first, but then it got tedious after a while. So I'm hoping this is just a linear story that we see from beginning to end and how we really can see these characters, have how they've evolved since that first season with Hannah Baker and also how they wrap up these storylines. Because I think the big thorough line, even in that third season, that have really kept the show afloat have been the characters, Clay, Justin, Jessica, and when you see Tyler and all them, and the and the evolution that they've taken over the last few seasons, you want to see how it all wraps up. You have Gary Sinise playing a, a therapist for Clay, and to see those two kind of go tit for tat in a way, and I'm, I'm really intrigued by it. Now, the season could be absolutely horrible. It could land face first on, 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 the, on the pavement and not do very well. But I'm giving the benefit of the doubt because I enjoyed the first two seasons. Even though people have not liked that second season, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a really good successor to that incredible first season that took pop culture by storm and really brought national attention to a lot of serious issues. And Netflix has taken a lot of slack for that, but it seems like they've come out on the end doing the best that they could to appease a lot of people and making sure they put censors in place for a lot of really emotional hard-hitting categories and 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 things that they would have to really hit hammer home with this show and again i'm just intrigued by to see how see how it all ends see how it all wraps up into one are we going to see Catherine langford back as hannah baker in this one last time if it if it's like a an illusion from clay and she's back i would be fine with that but i hope she's not in part of this storyline as much because i felt like what made season two really, really good was the fact that it, it felt like a series finale, but at the same time, a season finale for the characters that we've seen going forward. 
So again, it just it looks really good, and Netflix has done a great job in the marketing campaign for making 13 Reasons Why seem as great as it has been, even with that third season. So I'm, I'm interested in it. I'm excited to see how it all wraps up, and I'll be tuning in on June 5th, and I'll have a review about the final season of 13 Reasons Why when it comes out in the beginning of June for the summer season. So again, Netflix just keeps churning out content when a lot of other streaming services are kind of at a dearth of content right now, and they're trying to move different things around. Netflix is just is just chugging and plugging, chugging and plugging, and just and keeps on doing what they're doing right now, and just brings out content whenever they possibly can. So I'm excited; it gives people something to talk about. So I think it'll be a, a big a conversation starter and something that'll grab people's attention for at least a week or two, if people are still stuck in place during the COVID pandemic. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Again, with the breaking news that came out at the top of the recording of this show, Zack Snyder says that the Snyder Cut will be released next year. I'll have more details about it tomorrow when I when there's more news about it, when there's more details, because there are more details about it. I just saw it before I started recording this podcast. I'll have more information about it tomorrow. But breaking news once again, the Snyder Cut is real. It's legit, and it is coming to HBO Max in 2021. And guys, that'll do it. Thank you again so much for tuning into the Sam Vassell Podcast. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on the network, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out our brand new show that is on the Ambiguous Network, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, once you're done following the Ambiguous Network on their social media platforms, when you have a minute, can you follow me on my social media platforms? And if you do, you can find me on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and also on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until tomorrow, keep on screening.